0: I'm very self-conscious, you know, yeah. I do this whole podcast, but I don't actually want people to hear what I'm saying. Uh-huh. Welcome to No Clip, the podcast that's like a book club for people who think books don't reward them enough for being good at them. I'm Chad Ruthermans, and I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, we're going to be talking about A Hat in
1: Time. Uh, But first, if you uh, like the content, we'd really appreciate it if you could give us a like or a rating.
0: A Hat in Time is a game that was developed by Gears for Breakfast and published by Humble Bundle and was released in 2017 on Windows, Mac, PS4, Xbox One, and then was just released on the Switch in 2019. It's a lot of consoles that this is on. Mm -hmm. Uh... So, Handtime is a 3D platformer in a very traditional sense, and we will get back to that, I think. But I think an interesting thing about this is that it was actually published by Humble Bundle, which is the first time that we've talked about a game that they have directly funded.
1: Yeah, I actually didn't know that they did that, Uh, so I thought that was weird to read on the Wikipedia page. Right,
0: and it's also a game that, that raised funds... Uh, through crowdsourcing as well, mm-hmm. it was on uh, was it Kickstarter. It was on like it was on Kickstarter. I, I thought it was, but I wasn't one hundred percent. So this is a very like community minded kind of game, mm-hmm. um, and now we come back to it being a three D platformer because there are other games, uh, notably Ukulele, which came out at a really similar time, that are also this kind of a, a throwback uh like collect a thon three D platformer style. Mm-hmm. Um and I think the message that this sent is more like there still is an audience, even if it's niche for this genre of game that doesn't have the word Mario in the beginning of it, you know?
1: Yeah. Um especially this game gained I think more traction uh, after a lot of people found ukulele to be disappointing. Because right. uh the ukulele came out first, and then A Hat in Time came along, and people were like, This is now that's what we're talking about. <laughs> uh, this one was received a lot better.
0: Yeah, Th- this I mean, I don't know exactly what it is that's the der- like, I haven't played ukulele, but I get the feeling that ukulele gets kind of like a lot of shit because it's made by people who were rareware team members yeah
1: i've played them both like i actually backed both kickstarters because i'm a big 3d platformer fan yeah you
0: are the niche audience that these games are 100 percent
1: um but uh ukulele i think's biggest problem was there were expectations because it's a lot of ex rareware employees Mm. but they tried to go too ambitious for the amount of money they could get on kickstarter um they tried to they didn't hat in time manages its scope way better by having only four main levels in the base game, mm-hmm. whereas like Ukulele tried to be like on the level of Banjo Kazooie and have like ten or however many, yeah, and it it gets a bit sloppy in the middle slash towards the end, but I do think it gets a little bit too much shit, like more than it uh more than it deserves, but. That's a That's another podcast for another time.
0: Yeah, that was always my impression as well. Like, yeah, and I, I
1: think they've patched it pretty heavily since then, so I imagine it's better now than it was. Because it also had some some control issues and things people didn't like about it. But I also think those were blown, blown out of proportion as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, like if you compare
0: this game, a Hat in Time*, to other 3d platformers you can also see the rough edges you know that this game is not made with a AAA budget or it's made with a budget and also on a hardware that people are really used to being able to do things more impressive than this mm-hmm. uh and i think that's where it like the the quality of this game And the fact that the expectations of people who got this game were lower is probably what made this game get a lot higher reception.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned uh, up front that it's very, like, a community-minded kind of game. Like, this game started as a project by a guy who just wanted to, like, boost his, like, portfolio or his (laughs) resume. Like, he just thought he would make something small and it just kind of grew into this and i think they've it's been like a very modern approach to development where a lot of the team worked like completely remotely and never really met in person at least for a long time uh, as far as i'm aware anyway but um and like it was just like a really open like development process so yeah it just it has It was just really smartly designed and kind of like, yeah, as you said, it has lower expectations because it was such a casual, like, humble beginnings. Yeah, humble bundle Which is why humble bundle picked it up, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I appreciate your
0: efforts to disguise this fact by saying that you didn't know if the team members had ever met themselves uh, in person, because I'm not convinced yet
1: that you did not oversee the the full design of this game. (laughs) It's, it is very up my alley. If they were if they, hey uh, gears for breakfast, if you're hiring any graphic designers, I'll work for you.
0: Yeah, it just it feels that between like the art style, the sense of humor, the style of game that it is, like everything does feel very much like your type of
1: a game. Oh yeah, like this game pulled me in or like grabbed my attention pretty much immediately. Like I love the uh Hat Kids uh spaceship mm, yeah. as like a hub. Uh at least aesthetically and like visually and everything. And like, the fact that it's
0: a hub. Yeah,
1: the fact that it's a hub. Uh it's just it's just really likable. Like the the first hallway when you come out of a room and like the way the rug looks and it's <laughs> like there's something about the aesthetic of it that's just really cool. And I know we've compared many a game to it, but it has this, like, Saturday morning cartoon vibe. Uh, I can imagine this as a TV show. Like, Hat Kid is traveling home through space, and, like, she stops at a different planet every week to have a little adventure.
0: Yeah, like, her her house is not that aesthetically different than the kids next door tree. House. Oh yeah. It's
1: like a, yeah, it's like a clubhouse. <laughs> yeah. She's even got like a pillow fort and it's just like,
0: not really a pillow fort, more of just like a literal ocean. Yeah, of, of the, the pillow pit. Yeah.
1: With a diving board. But like it, yeah, it just has this sense of like imagination and it's kind of hard to describe. I think it takes a lot of influences from a lot of different places and really uses them well and doesn't feel derivative. Mm -hmm. I think it's one of the game's biggest strengths, because, like, a lot of the inspirations are, like, worn on its sleeve, and you can point to a lot of different things and be like, this reminds me of this. That reminds me of this. This reminds me of that. But, like, it doesn't feel like it's trying to, like, copy anything. Well... I think
0: the, the one thing that I noted, and this is such a dumb thing that I didn't necessarily want to bring up this earlier, but, uh, the, the game is broken into levels and each level has like a, a star, a superstar, uh, like a, a, a time piece for you to collect. Mm-hmm. And when you collect it, it boots you out to yeah. the next it, thing.
1: It's very classic, like Mario 64 and sunshine, like mission style. Right.
0: But they also have these areas that you can go into uh it'll show you a picture that are called rifts time rifts mm-hmm. and uh it's a hard word to enunciate properly rifts, rifts. yeah uh <laughs> but when you go into them they put you into like a specific area outside of the main world to an abstract level yeah well some of them are abstract other ones are like like the, I think they're the purple. Purple riffs are different. Yeah, yeah they have like narrative associations. Um, but the regular riffs that put you in the abstract world contain oblong <laughs> rectangular platforms with pegs on them that spin. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's just... They took the Mario Sunshine wood block with pegs and copied it and then just desaturated all the colors. <laughs> and we're like, here it is. <laughs>
1: yeah like even that though as specific as that one thing feels like those levels also really remind me of mario 64 because of the music that plays it feels very like dire dire docks like the <laughs> fact that it's like it- underwater mm-hmm. uh themed and like there are whales in the background and they like you can hear whale cries once you get close to the timepiece. like it does enough different unique things with it that even like the really specific references like the owls right. or the crows and the owl express level are clearly just uh uh psychonauts references like the milkman conspiracy kind of thing uh they it does puts enough of its own spin on it that it's it stands out as its own thing to me.
0: Yeah. I mean, I agree, it's just that one object that yeah, I wanted yeah. to cut, because it is very... It's <laughs> weird because it's such a generic
1: it's object. A, it's a very specific thing. But it's though. a
0: really specific object because of its association. Like, yeah. And even it rotates in the same way. Yeah. It's wild, that, that was the thing. <laughs> uh, And I also found this weird... We're just talking about rifts now, apparently. Yeah. I don't know how long this conversation is, so I guess it's fine to do it up front, but, like the fact that it is like you have like bubbles that come up and it plays like sort of like aquatic adjacent music uh plus the whales mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> like there is water in the game so like obviously this is some other weird type of thing this yeah. is time water <laughs> so be time
1: water yeah it's frozen in space. Right, yeah. Uh, you know, it's not go- affected by gravity.
0: Yeah, because this isn't... You don't swim through these. They're just regular mm-hmm. platforming levels with that
1: aesthetic. Yeah. Kind of think SpongeBob rules, where it's technically underwater, but they're just kind of walking around.
0: Yeah. The other ones, the ones with the story... The purple
1: rifts. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think are very cool. Um mm-hmm. I really like this idea, and I'll go into why I don't think that the game's plot should be at all something you consider when, like, determining whether or not you liked this game. Uh-huh. but the the fact this is such a, a a cool way of delivering story, um, and it's not the first game that's ever done similar things. I think that like the main levels of Psychonauts are kind of like the version of this taken to its like most extreme example where it's the entirety of the the game yeah but it is still very cool
1: yeah it's like the um what is it the vaults in uh in psychonauts yeah and i like the way that they're hidden in this though like that it's like its own separate thing Mm -hmm. that you have to like go out of your way to find like making it feel more secret and some of them even take the tone of like you're infiltrating a place, <laughs> yeah i uh, I think that's really cool, and then you you get rewarded with uh backstory through way of a slideshow mm-hmm. uh so as a reward to like and it gives like more context to the to the levels like yeah. them like the main characters of the levels,
0: and I feel like a lot of them specifically like. the 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 backstory that they give to the villain characters goes a long way to sort of like explain the ending of this game where I feel like if you just got there and never did any of the time riffs you'd be like this feels weird Uh, where they kind of give like a and a reason for any of this to be happening it gives you like it makes the like the point of the game seems to be that the villains are not really all that villainous and like it's
1: misunderstood
0: yeah and people who are bad can also have good sides to them mm-hmm. and, and even, people are more yeah. complex yeah
1: even the main villain isn't really evil right um but yeah no um what was i gonna say it just it gives the game world like a more of a sense of place which goes a long way yes yes <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: we should we should move and maybe come back to that later when we're talking about something more related to it mm-hmm. uh let's talk about the fact that this game is a three d platformer and the mechanics of it because i f- that is why we played it for the most part <laughs> right like uh-huh. uh so this game what how do i want to describe this what game is this most like
1: uh it's I think like I was trying to get out earlier. I think it's a mishmash of Sunshine, Psychonauts, and like Mario sixty four. The ones that I drew comparisons to, um, if you if you want to count the influences from sixty four and Sunshine, as different things. But um, yeah, in each, it's hard to pin down because I think each level goes for like a different thing. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I don't know. I guess my answer is it's several different things. I don't know if you had something different in mind.
0: Yeah, I was, my thing, I liked Psychonauts a lot. Both the game and also your comparison here. Uh, because I think the key thing is that that uh, Hackett has like a double jump. Mm-hmm. And also like the Mario Odyssey dive thing. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that's
1: in all the Mario games though. Nah. Yeah, uh-huh. you can like dive and jump and dive and jump. That's like rip straight from Mario. <laughs> I'm arguing more the like midair
0: utility. I oh, think. the mid-air version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like that. The, the fact that your uh your mobility in the game is designed like the platforms and everything are designed around the fact that you can you don't often get a lot of vertical height. But you can get across huge horizontal distances. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's sort of, to me anyway, that's like the defining factor of like how this game plays in comparison to other 3D platformers.
1: Yeah, it's got a good like sense of mid-air control. Mm-hmm. Like you could save a jump like, <laughs> that, that may have otherwise been flubbed. Yeah, by yeah, doing like the dive and
0: stuff. You can also fuck up your own jumps, but I you think can, that's all yeah. part of the that's part of the, the fun of playing it, exactly, as a new platformer. Yeah. Uh, is panicking and going, Ah, I gotta get and then you end up way overshooting the mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, it's bad. And great. And <laughs> uh but it makes me really torn on how I feel about this game in comparison to other the aforementioned eight three D platformers we just talked about, uh-huh. because this game does in its platform design what I loved about games like Mario Odyssey and Psychonauts, and does in its world design what I loved about games like Mario Sunshine and Psychonauts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I think when you like take the 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 two and put them together, the problem that we run into is. The game has this really expressive movement system, but these worlds that are designed with like a sense of visual consistency that makes them kind of difficult to platform in because like you don't exactly know what everything is and how you're going to react when you interact with it. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, I would agree with that. Um, especially, also a thing that you mentioned is that it seems like the movement is designed for like covering big horizontal distances but like the first level mafia town is a vertical level yeah um so it seems weird that those they don't clash or anything you know like they're compatible enough but it's weird that the first level in the game doesn't go hand in hand with the mechanics as well as you might expect
0: yeah i think that that's a really good point i i, I didn't really consider the layouts of The levels in that context, Mm -hmm. even as I was making that argument, (laughs) explains what I'm thinking a lot, because by a huge margin, my favorite, like, individual level was Subcon Forest.
1: And it's the most open. Yeah,
0: it's huge, and, like, the collectibles are all fun, and they have, like, so Mafia Town, we're just gonna compare the two, they're, like, my two favorites, I think, Mm -hmm. uh, has vaults, as it's, like, uh, level collectible where you find codes. And when you find the codes, you get the vaults and shit mm-hmm. and they have things in them in this, in uh, subcon, the version of that that exists are these like fire spirits that control whether or not like chunks of the level are
1: open. Yeah. Like there are these invisible walls basically, but it's like a fire wall, in yeah. the game, you know, that block your progress and you have to, uh, collect paintings and throw them into the fire for the fire demons to get them to to take down the walls
0: yeah well to make them die essentially yeah
1: Yeah. uh but they want it so it's okay yeah they're Uh. they're begging for it real creepily like (laughs) uh
0: but in addition to that the other mechanics in mafia town don't really Make that, like, that much of a new engaging experience. I mean, it's the first level, so you don't need to, like, spice things up yet. But, like, while you're looking for these vault codes, you have things like umbrellas that bounce you, uh, which are somewhat unique to that level. Mm -hmm. Uh, And... What else? There are (laughs) lots of balloons in this one.
1: Yeah, there's a lot to bounce around on. Um... I think Mafia Town kind of suffers from including too many things in it, because, yeah. like, they they want it, they, they, I think this ties into the way the power-ups, the different hats, are designed. They put as much stuff as they can into the first level, like they're going for a Metroid kind of thing, to make you curious about them, and you'll want to come back later once you get the new hats to like be like oh i remember this thing i couldn't get to maybe this hat will let me get it right i think they're going for that sort of thing and it creates a little bit too much like visual noise and like like you were saying with the vaults um the vaults end up being i think a little bit harder than they should be and it seems like the developers realize this too because when you touch the vaults (laughs) They're at least little streamers or whatever you want to call them. A little line comes out of it that just takes you to where the the little ticket is. Yeah. The code. Uh, And so it's because there's so many vertical buildings everywhere that they get occluded and they're hard to find. Uh, So they feel like they need to give you a helping hand to find them. And it's just like... A little bit too much going on yeah they were a little over ambitious with the with mafia town i think
0: and the design of that follows through to most other collectibles there will be like something that leads you to where it goes uh or to where it is and mm-hmm. Ponds. Uh, yeah with the exception of uh like the big collectibles like things that are just like things you collect throughout the game um but like the the fire has trails that lead to all of the paintings that you have to throw in. Mm-hmm. I think where Subcon succeeds where Mafia does not is the fact that in Subcon, well, okay, I'm gonna lie, I'm a little bit, uh, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say I'm being a little bit biased here, uh, because Subcon makes heavy use of the best hat in the whole game, which is the 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 mask the dweller mask, mm-hmm. uh, which is fantastic. And I want to talk about that mechanic for a million years, but maybe not a million years, just like one year. You want to highlight it? I want to highlight because it it's fucking great, but it has that and this big open area. And you have the, like, it makes you want to explore it more than mafia town, which makes you want to take an aspirin. Like, <laughs> the,
1: <laughs> those oh, are yeah. you too. it's, Mafia Town's more like clustered in a smaller space, mm-hmm. and Subcon's more spread out. And I think the way that they gate some of the areas makes you even like more curious. It does; it makes you want to explore even more. So once you get the uh, ability to actually check things out, once you done like the first uh, timepiece or so, and you can actually go and explore, you there's a whole bunch of optional stuff to find. Like you can spend a lot of time just exploring like the other half of the map you you don't visit in any of the main story right. of the level
0: and they've got like the the long sight lines and everything like you can see the like yarn balls and relics from further away mm-hmm. and because of that it's sort of like it pulls you toward them it gives you that like that feel like i gotta get it it's right there mm-hmm. and then you get there and there's a whole platforming like puzzle set up and also, the game has, like... And this is something... I've been playing another 3D platformer recently. It's called Super Mario 64. hmm And one of the things that I was actually impressed by, um, because I haven't played Mario 64 in years, and I didn't play very much of it when I did, uh-huh. uh, is that they're very frequently super different routes that you can take to get to things, mm-hmm. like, anywhere on a map. And had time has less of that because I think Mario's were a lot of just sort of like, they just shoved shit in it because they were like, we don't know how to make this yet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so by accident, you can do wild shit to get to the places you want to go. time has some of that and it feels more intentional. And Subcon is also the best place for that because you've got all of the jumps that you can make around on the tree boughs and shit. Like, it's great. Mm -hmm. Uh, Real,
1: real good. Yeah, it, it's almost like a, its own secret, like, tier to the level, like, the upper part. Mm-hmm. Like, once you uh, are able to get up there, like, you can go all the way across the map just jumping on little tree stands and, you know, little swinging on nooses. The noose that talks to you? I yeah. love that so much. It's very creepy.
0: Yeah, I love that neck. It's uh, yeah, such a good I, neck. I think it's
1: because, <laughs> it's like, obviously, like, this game is just, like, an all-ages game. It's not aimed at kids, But, like, the fact that Hat Kid is a kid, and, like, the noose is like, I haven't seen such a sturdy neck as your, you know, it's just, like, a morbid joke, and it's just, like, it just hits you weird. Even though it is funny, like, you're like, uh, you feel kind of weird about laughing about it.
0: Yeah, I think the thing that makes it such a good... And the voice is great. Yeah, the voice is super good. And they, like, even in the credit sequence, (laughs) the noose shows up as, like, a representative of, of Subcom Forest. Uh... Yeah, I think what, what makes it so funny is the fact that it is, like, extremely unexpected, mm-hmm. but the thing that it says is what you would expect it to say. Yeah. So it, like, throws you... It, when I say throw you for a loop, I mean it in the most literal way possible, <laughs> both because it is a loop and because your expectation goes from, this isn't going to talk, to, oh my god, it is talking, totally unexpected, and then, but what would a noose say? Exactly this. uh uh-huh. <laughs> uh so the noose excellent character somehow
1: i I like the idea that it actually doesn't like what it's used for and is very depressed
0: (laughs) so it wants a sturdy neck yeah so so it doesn't break
1: yeah (laughs) but anyway
0: uh god i didn't expect the metaphor to be so good
1: (laughs) a spin-off film about the noose from the subcon forest uh please
0: exactly uh so, yeah, that's man, we're all right, we're all over <laughs> fire, yeah.
1: do you want to go back to more specific mechanics discussion, or do you want to talk more about levels?
0: um, I mean, I think they kind of go hand in hand, but um, I mean, to run through there's some there's some really truly excellent mechanics in this game, mm-hmm. and there are also some really excellent mechanics that I feel like see the the slight rough edge sort of lack of polish mm-hmm. uh the one that i want to call out is the um the badge that lets you swing with your
1: umbrella oh yeah the the hook shot the hook shot yeah because like the game <sighs> even specifically refers to it as the hook shot <laughs> i mean i would believe it they're, they're they're not hiding it
0: <laughs> it does work differently than the hook shot does, yeah so uh it's kind of
1: like the grapple beam in metroid yes
0: uh and your grapple beam in this game, which is an umbrella, mm-hmm. uh, is like, love the idea. I love the design of the levels that utilize it. But then the actual execution feels really stiff. And it's very easy to just like accidentally go not at all where you're <laughs> intended to go with it. It's It's very, I don't know. It. I didn't love using it, but I did love that it was there. Yeah.
1: I kind of totally disagree. <laughs> I. I really like the implementation of it, and think that it is pretty easy to use.
0: <laughs> I'm not. But saying... I have
1: played the game three times now, so I sure. might. Maybe my first playthrough wasn't as smooth as I'm remembering.
0: It wasn't necessarily that it was difficult to use. It's that. The result of using it was not ever what I wanted it to be. Mm. Like, I feel like you jump and then you grab with the thing. Mm -hmm. And the crucial purpose that it serves is that it also refreshes your double jump when you do it. So that you can, like, cross huge gaps with it. But you will swing on it. Like, there are are parts, like, um, the worst level in the game where you have to, like, race to the end well, okay, no. They're too bad. They're too bad levels and they're like side by side. Yeah. And the one that I'm talking about now that is not as bad is the train escape. Is the train escape because it is very unclear what you're supposed to be doing most of the time and shit's just exploding so like your next platform and like some of that is good. You mm-hmm. want a little bit of uncertainty. But then there are times when I do know what I'm doing, but like the visual explosions that are happening all Uh the time are throwing me off. But there are sequences in that where you have to jump between hooks in order to get to places. And I would find that I either would jump and, like like go way over the next hook really which is confusing to do because then you don't know what you're supposed to do next Uh uh-huh because like you can kind of save that but it's not the intended way so it's hard to fix it or i would try and jump to it and just like not make it and Mm. fall to my death that's weird yeah i think the second one i fixed later because it was still new to me I if th- I went back and played it, it might not have been yeah. as much finish If
1: I had to make a guess, I think it might be like a player agency expectation kind of thing. Because you hook onto it and you just let it happen. Yeah. Like, you don't really control the swing. And I think maybe I can remember that being a thing where, like, I felt like I needed to in- do inputs, like, to make it work. And you really just kind of hit X and it just shoot. It's like it flicks you right is basically how it works it's like you hook it and it's like whoop, like pops you out
0: that was not my experience i thought you could change direction you can but like
1: if if it's designed in such a way that pretty much any time you use them you just jump and it just letting it swing you straight works every time and like you'll go right to the next one and then you just swing and like you don't need to really do anything
0: right okay yeah, I was trying to do shit
1: all yeah, the time. Like, with I think that. that I think that's the <laughs> friction. It's like it's more of a hands-off kind of thing than you think it is.
0: Right. And yeah, so that's like and trying to time like when you jump off of it is like the natural thing that you're going to do with a swinging mechanic mm-hmm. and I feel like it it required a lot of sort of like practice and 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 not just like with the mechanic with the individual jumps to know exactly where you're supposed to go if it isn't as smooth as just go as far as you can, yeah. which is what it normally is.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think like my biggest friction with it is not being able to see the next, uh, like grapple point. Mm-hmm. Cause there are times when you'll swing and because of the swing, the next, uh, point you're supposed to grab onto isn't visible to you, but like you hear the sound effect and like, you need to just hit the X button right. even though you can't see it. So it is kind of a trust mechanic. It, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that's, that's what you got to accept about it. Which I
0: mean, on the other hand, like the failure system of this game is pretty generous. All things considered, mm-hmm. like there are checkpoints, some of which just aren't labeled. Like some of them, it'll say checkpoint. And then other ones, it just is a checkpoint that will mm-hmm. tell you. Uh, but
1: like it, you never lose that much. No. Um, Unless you're doing like a purple rift level, right? Yeah, and you die to go back to the beginning.
0: Yes, unless that, which is you know a little bit worse. Mm-hmm. Also, lamp posts act as checkpoints in the blue rift levels. Uh, that's a cla- that's a coda move. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> it's a very deep cut reference, right? Uh, but yeah, that's uh. That's that. I'm surprised we got that much discussion out of that particular mechanic because I had two other ones I wanted to oh, talk yeah. about that I hate
1: completely. <laughs> okay,
0: <laughs> uh, which are the bounce on shit mechanic, which is impossible to one to see. Once you get one, you're fine. It's mm-hmm. just automatic and does it for you. But they always place them way too close. And maybe my depth perception is bad, or maybe think it's something that's what specific it <laughs> about red balloons. Because I actually had less trouble with the sandbags, mm. but like infinite trouble with the balloons. Yeah, that's of another like landing one. on them. Yeah,
1: that's another one that doesn't ever give me any problems. <laughs> it probably is like a depth perception thing.
0: Uh, my my other one, which like, is, and
1: there's another thing in platformers, I think, where. You never want to make the smallest jump that you can, right? And they usually space the the, the little the object supposed to hop on is like you just like your smallest jump to get to it, and you tend to overshoot it.
0: Yeah, you tend you one hundred percent over. I had more success with well, the yeah. balloons you, jumping to the oh, second yeah. one. You
1: definitely are that type of player. <laughs> but anyway, your other mechanic is the dive
0: attack, uh, mm. which I learned something way too late about the dive attack that I feel like should have been more openly tutorialized. Uh-huh. The way the dive attack works is if you're holding the square button, mm-hmm. you just do it when you can. Yeah. But I didn't know that until the... the get all of the spores mission...
1: Oh, right. ...of the last level. You, like, you jump on the spiders? The
0: fucking spider... That... I literally died... Mm-hmm. So many times, on, like more than anything else in the whole game, that stupid jump to the spider because I would press the X button and just wouldn't, nothing would happen. Mm. And I would just fall and die.
1: Yeah. I think I had a similar problem my first playthrough, but like any other, like on this playthrough, I just instinctively knew to just mash the X button. Yep. I didn't know holding it worked, but well, maybe it's it the, ma- it's the same forgetting. thing. Yeah. probably They probably both work. But, yeah, you have to have the input in whenever the window to press it comes up, and it doesn't always flash on the screen. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It fucking sucked ass, and I hated it, (laughs) uh, and I basically never wanted to do the dive attack at all.
1: Mm. It is a little, like, it feels like a half-baked idea, at least as far as, I like it better for platforming. Like, once you get used to it, it's actually pretty reliable, I think. But I don't like it, like, for combat. Uh, This is a 3D platformer, so there isn't really much combat, and it makes sense that these ideas aren't as fleshed out, but it's just, like, a nothing mechanic. Like, you just jump up in the air, and you hit the X button, and you just hit the guy's head, and you're in no danger. Like, it's, (laughs) it's like a too good to just, like, jump around and not take any damage from regular enemies, because you just jumping on their head scot-free yeah
0: it's similar in a way to like yeah okay i'm trying to like put this together this game has a similar problem with combat that mario does because neither game make any sense to have combat in them Mm -hmm. really but they have to have enemies and you have to have ways to defeat them now mario when he was a uh, uh, just a plumber dude Yeah, and it was rendered in two dimensions had this elegant solution of jumping on an enemy because jumping on an enemy uses the jump button which is great that's what you want to be doing in your platformer mm-hmm. and the like act of attacking them is a risk reward because you want to jump on top of them but if you miss them then you could potentially be hit by them because their hitbox is usually just a thing around them right very simple easy to understand the problem when it goes to 3d is that jumping on things is a lot less reliable but i think still works i think it's still a fine way of killing things in a th- in a 3d mm-hmm. platformer because they're like platforms you have to make the enemies a little bit bigger
1: yeah i think they worry about uh your problem with the red balloons where people are gonna just miss the jumps yeah
0: And get hit a whole bunch. And, yeah, get frustrated. So, what both games did is that they gave their respective protagonists a three-hit combo combo melee attack. And all enemies just die in one hit, for the most part. Like, there are a few that you actually have to use multiple attacks on in uh, Had in Time, Mm -hmm. but... It feels weird to have it there and is rarely used. Mm-hmm. And so what they did is they took the homing attack from the 3D Sonic games, which is not a source of inspiration <laughs> you really want to draw from. Uh, and they just put it in. They're like, do the homing attack, but it's slow now. Uh, yeah, I agree. It feels too safe. And the combat in this game is fine
1: yeah i think i would have been totally fine with it if it was just like the umbrella three hit combo thing yeah like i wouldn't have mentioned it at all <laughs> like the weird homing attack is just like i feel like i i see how that came in into the game but like i i probably would have cut it yeah or maybe that's just hindsight
0: i mean there's like this use that it has where it like takes people out of invulnerable states mm-hmm. which is a I don't know. Like, that probably could have been designed around as well. Like, yeah. the Mafia guys, you basically never need to kill them in any level, yeah. except for when it's, like, specifically, like, like... a story thing? Yeah. So, the fact that that enemy type takes three hits and then is invulnerable until you hit them with the dive feels unnecessary. Uh, its use in boss battles is a lot more... Because they could actually put phases in that they wouldn't have been able to otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird mechanic and I don't know how yeah, I feel about it. Yeah, I actually it.
1: think I kind of forgot about boss fights while we were talking about that somehow. I actually like the way it's used in boss fights.
0: Yeah. I don't know if you want to talk about boss fights because I actually do have a bit to say about them. Sure. Uh, but do we want to take a break first?
1: Yes after the break. <laughs> I was just going to say after the break, but decided not to. Right. You fucked those balloons, dude. <laughs> They're so hard to live.
0: Welcome back. Uh, we're going to talk about Parts of the combat that make sense and are good. Uh in contrast to the last part where we talked about the parts of the combat that weren't as good. Uh yeah, I really wanna I just like talked like rapid fire three things in a row that I didn't like about this game. Uh-huh. It's those are like the only three things
1: and one other thing that I'll get to. Yeah, I, I have Some nitpicky things that I I could complain about, like a pedantic asshole. Yeah,
0: I mostly just wanted to get those out of the way because, uh, and we're about to talk about the bosses, which is a great example of this. I think a lot of the design is fucking smart as hell. Uh, With very few exceptions, almost everything about the bosses is stuff that I I actually really liked. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Which is impressive, because not all 3D platformers have good bosses.
0: I would say most don't.
1: Yeah, like, a lot of them don't even really try. Mm-hmm. Like, if you look at Mario games, like, uh, specifically, like, 64 and Sunshine kind of have them early, and then they are just like, eh. <laughs> just kind of drop off. Yeah, then they stop having them.
0: Yeah, because if you look, like, the boss of Rico Bay is... Uh, you clean teeth. It doesn't really count as a boss in like the traditional sense. You're you, not fighting anything. Come
1: on, Chad, you mean Noki Bay? Oh, you're right, yeah. Sorry. Not Rico Harbor. Yeah, right, yeah, Rico Harbor. Yeah, Noki Bay.
0: Yeah, I like that <laughs> game, too. Shit. Anyway, I'm a fraud. Yep,
1: I'm going to have to revoke your gamer card.
0: God, I just got that card. Um, but no. Uh, so the bosses in this game... They're they're weirdly spread out in a way that is strange.
1: Like, yeah, you can kind of spread out the whole game in a weird way, uh, like the pacing. Yeah, if you don't play everything straight through, which I mean, there's no reason why you would uh, necessarily. But well, there are
0: instances where you can't. Like, there's a level in Mafia Town which I didn't mention. Is it weird that they're the Mafia? Does that it doesn't make any sense, as far as I can tell.
1: Uh, no, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's funny, but there's a lot of like if you start looking into that detail, there are a lot of things that don't make sense about it because the the mafia town is based on that one city in Greece that like everything's based on, like that the map in Overwatch. Overwatch, yeah. But they're Russian, yeah. Like they're a Russian mafia. And Which they, is an established
0: but, pop culture mafia, but is not by a long shot the most common yeah. one.
1: Um, <laughs> they're and, not Italian, yeah, and yeah, and they they're like cooks. Yeah, like they like
0: work for a fish fishery. Yeah,
1: and um, the Purple Rift slideshow explains it a little bit that they like <laughs> came to the island uh, for I don't remember why, but they are not originally from there. Right, but. It's just like, yeah, there's a whole lot of... It's not cohesive at all. It's just kind of like, what would be funny? It's basically kind of <laughs> what it feels like.
0: <laughs> it's weird because there's such like a, a, a thematic tie in all of the other levels. And then Mafia Town is just like very wacky mm-hmm. and like happy-go-lucky yeah. make no sense. Yeah, it
1: kind of feels like that cartoon vibe that I was talking about earlier. It just kind of... Feels like yeah, whatever sticks, you know. Like uh, funny mafia dudes is testing well with children right now. Uh, Just put that in.
0: Uh, But yeah, there's a level in Mafia Town to go back to the sentence I started eight fucking minutes ago. uh, That you can't get, you can't do until the end of the game. Yeah, and it's just one mission. Like it's pre, it's it's a mission that is post boss essentially, and. It doesn't unlock a new mission, you just do
1: it, and then it's over. Yeah, they wanted to keep that achievement from you, yeah. for Mafia Town all clear until the end of the game. Exactly.
0: <laughs> uh, and then, like, some of the other levels are like that, and the other ones aren't, like, the the Dead Bird Studio doesn't have, like,
1: a weird secret extra level. You, no, well, yes it does. Well,
0: it's, <laughs> it's the very poorly concealed secret level. Yeah.
1: It's a more it's more of a surprise than it is a secret. Yeah. Uh and it it does you can if you play straight through you'll get to the train escape and you won't have the hook shot yet. Right. So it depending on the how you play, it, you can run into little speed bumps like that. Yeah.
0: Um but Monty Town has a boss. Deadbird Studio has a boss and uh Subcon, Subcon has, a boss. has a
1: boss. Yeah, it's two of them
0: it does have two of them uh and then there's a like final final boss yeah. uh but alpine skyline does not have like a,
1: a regular boss no it has like a climactic final mission thing that's yeah. different than a boss
0: which would be the best mission in the whole game if you didn't have to jump on those spiders uh <laughs> so aside from that uh it's very it's it's interesting that they kind of spread it out that way and they're they end up being really far apart because mm-hmm. you have to do you can do the Mafia boss like immediately when you get it. Mm-hmm. And then you have to get other items in order to complete Dead Word Studio, so you have to play a little bit of the other one. And one of the bosses is open right from the start, but then the other one you have to complete all the other levels to get to. And then the final boss will open up probably before you've even fought all of the bosses.
1: Yeah, you need just a little bit more than half of the timepieces to beat the game. Yeah, I think it's
0: like twenty five. Yeah.
1: of forty. Mm-hmm. So in the base game, yeah,
0: yeah. Which is what we're, we should clarify. I guess we are just talking about the base game here. You have played the DLC, but most I have of not. it. Yeah,
1: um, and it's weird. I I just found this out while googling that the. DLC is only on PC and, weirdly, Switch. Okay. They released... The version that came out on the Switch has the DLC, but PlayStation 4 and Xbox One don't have it yet.
0: Which is weird. Yeah, it's super strange. Because I played the PlayStation 4 version. Yeah,
1: and that's what I did initially, too. And then didn't realize that I couldn't play the DLC on PlayStation 4, so I had to play through... uh, the, I didn't have to but I did play through the game again on PC uh just to play it
0: do they have bosses in the DLC chapters
1: um I beat seal the deal it does not have a boss okay. it has more like a climactic final mission and I'm assuming uh the other one um Niyakuza Metro does because it has like a like an evil character uh that's kind of like Presides over the area is the is the yakuza boss. Yeah, the uh, their boss ask. Yes, for sure, and right? I imagine that she has to be one. Mm-hmm. So, but can't confirm.
0: Yeah, uh but the actual bosses that we did that, that I played and that we're going to talk about are the mafia boss. uh Do is the boss different in deadbird City depending on who wins the
1: like award? You do fight the other. Whoever wins is the one you end up fighting. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it can be either one. And I do think there are little differences to maybe like one or two things, but it's mostly the same. Same fight. I have done both of them. Okay, cool. Uh,
0: And then Snatcher is the boss of the uh, Mm -hmm. uh, of Subcon Force, and there's
1: the outhouse as well, (laughs) who's like more of a mini boss. Yeah, I like they use that almost as like a training wheels version for the final boss. Like, it has a lot of similar mechanics. Yeah.
0: And there's there's stuff to it that's, like... There are definitely parts of each of the bosses that I found, like, kind of unclear. Like, you have to do a little bit of trial and error to get. But they were never... They felt like, when you went in, that they were unbeatable monstrosities. And then... They were never really all that hard, (laughs) and the unclear guessing game aspect of them is incredibly true to the genre in a way that is like hard to describe, but is like very like you feel that when you're in it. You're like, I remember playing Banjo Kazooie, and -hmm. I didn't know how to fucking hurt Gruntilda. Like that's it. Just makes sense Mm -hmm. that they that it's there because of the inspirations of the game and. I ended up being a pretty big fan of all of them. They were the challenge that I was wanting, I think, more than I thought.
1: Yeah, and uh, I feel like I agree with that entirely. Like, I remember the bosses giving me trouble my first playthrough, at least a couple of them. But on any... I've played the game three times now, and, like, second two playthroughs, the bosses are like tissue paper. uh, When you know what you're doing, so... Yeah, like they strike a nice balance where they feel real challenging the first time, yeah. and that's what you want.
0: It is, yeah, and it's it's a weird thing to want because part of what you're asking for is to be lied to by the game. <laughs> like you're gonna like, oh, how am I ever gonna do this? And then you just do it, and you're like, that's how I'm gonna do this.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like a, it's I don't know, like a like a magic trick almost, like it it, making something seem imposing, but then it's actually manageable.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it does a really good job. I think, honestly, the the worst thing about the boss design is that the majority of them have, like, some kind of mid-fight bit where they talk Mm -hmm. to you, and it's not skippable in the traditional sense. Like, you just always have to see it, Mm -hmm. and, like, when you're doing something a bunch of times, it gets kind of frustrating. There
1: are some cut scenes not all that you can skip by holding down the x button but i don't know i don't remember like if the mid boss ones are skippable or not
0: yeah some of them are some of them aren't the uh in the penguin
1: guy boss uh uh-huh. dj like, grooves dj grooves Slash The Conductor.
0: Mm-hmm. Who I was going to call MC Penguin, which is, like, basically... Uh, you know. MC
1: Penguin, <laughs> DJ Grooves, Kind of the same. That was his his beta name, yeah. was <laughs> MC Penguin. <laughs>
0: uh, has, like, this sequence where you sit down and have a conversation with him, and he asks you if he can just keep the timepiece. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, like, the only way to get through that is to just, like, mash... Uh, Whereas, like, Snatcher's opening sequence can be skipped, but, like, the middle sequence can't. And Snatcher also has a part where he does a thing where it, like, it it fades to black, and he shows up, and then there are two copies, and one of them's a cardboard cutout, and you have to look at one of them. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea what the game was asking me to do, (laughs) because it totally changes your control. And then it just, like i just lucked into hitting the right one occasionally Uh after i figured out i had to hit them up until that point i was just treating it as like a one life i lost (laughs) immediately (laughs) it was very weird
1: i don't know no yeah that definitely isn't clear like the messaging on that i'll I'll agree with that but it's one of those things though like replaying this game it had, there's a lot of this kind of stuff where it's like once you you like click with it like you can really get into a flow state with this game and the bosses are one that's like especially the snatcher boss fight is one where like you're going through all the phases and then like the, it goes dark and then he comes up and then you swing to the one and you hit it and it's like it just feels so snappy <laughs> And like, just feels so good when you like know what you're doing.
0: I never did know what I was doing exactly, on that. but like, yeah.
1: it, 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 first time it's a little rough. But like, if you went back and played it, like, it's so satisfying to do the bosses.
0: This might be a dumb question. Then, how do you, and not at all related to boss design generally. Uh-huh. How do you know which one you're supposed to hit?
1: It's hard for me to say because I feel there's visual cues, but I can't like think of what exactly they are. Okay. off the top of my head. I think it's the way his face looks. Okay. But, like, I do it with, like, out even thinking. Like, I just, like, can tell, and I just do it.
0: All right, because I never did figure it out. The spirit of Hat like... Kid fills me, yeah. and I know <laughs>
1: which one to hit. Um,
0: yeah, and then that's the other interesting thing is that the game, uh, its progression is based on you getting additional power-ups, mm-hmm. and the power-ups all play part in the bosses uh except in snatchers they take it away and i think that's a great decision like yeah, he taking your, your hat. hat at the beginning so it's just purely platform plus your regular combo mm-hmm. attack and that's it like just like it does enough to differentiate it from everything else that i, I think all of them are really well designed mm-hmm. except for that stupid <laughs> uh clone thing that i don't get right so there you go. Uh, did you have notes on the bosses at all?
1: Uh, actually, no, <laughs> I, I didn't. But I, I think I, I I said everything I wanted to say on them. That makes like, sense. They're they're good and they're especially like they're challenging on a first playthrough and then on a subsequent playthrough they're fun to execute. Like you know, I think they hit a sweet spot. Yeah, especially impressive. I think for like a first time attempt at like 3d platformer bosses which tend to not be very good (laughs) most of the time sure uh but one thing you brought up there if we want to transition to something else were the power-ups the different hats and while i largely like the abilities they give you this is one of my nitpicky complaints with it is the visual design of them while they look cool i feel like it isn't doesn't have what I've called that Nintendo quality that we talked about on the Plants vs. Zombies episode, where in that game, when you look at the plants and the zombies, you get like a decent idea of what they do just by looking at them. Yeah. I think that's a weakness of this game, a Hat in Time, where the brew hat, <laughs> it's like a witch's hat, and what it gives you is basically like a grenade. Yeah. Like those don't really connect in any way. And then you can use them to blow up these glowy boxes, which you also wouldn't necessarily put that together. Nope. There's no direct correlation between those. Um they just they aren't tutorialized. Um, like something like the hookshot is. Like it has its own mission. Right. And I forgot to mention this when we're talking about influences, but there's Zelda. a little bit of there's a little bit of Wind Waker in this. It's specifically the hookshot mission is designed like a Zelda dungeon where you go into the room and the gate closes behind you and you have to solve a puzzle with a new item to get out. Yep. Um, it, I felt like the hats needed that, um, but they decided to make the yarn a collectible, which I also, I like that decision. So they couldn't tutorialize them because they wanted them to be, you know, like it's...
0: Yeah, because they don't know they, when you're going to have They want to have their
1: cake and eat it too a little, I think. And like the, the, um, the ground pound, like the the beanie it you the the ice uh that's unintuitive and it makes it really boring because you only ever use it on those little the pads. snowflake pads yeah um and, it, and even like the mask like the the fox mask you don't know that that's gonna no phase in platforms from another dimension like yeah. they're, they're not signaled at all yeah the- and i think what could have saved it is better visual theming yes and
0: other things well yeah there are other solutions
1: but that would go (laughs) such a long way if they wanted to keep it the way it is now Mm -hmm. like the brew hat while i like a cool witch's hat it's probably my favorite walking around hat it's cool (laughs) um make it like like a bomb like it's like a little hat that looks like a bomb and it has a wick right or like a conductor's hat that's got like two sticks of dynamite on it or like something that makes sense is like this throws things that explode you know what i mean
0: yeah, well, and it's compounded by the fact that your primary, like, extra cosmetic rewards just change what the hat looks like. Yep. Like, the ice hat in its default state doesn't really look like... It's like a bear. Yeah. Hat. It's got te- like, teddy well, bears on it. Yeah, yeah, and it's like a blue knit cap, but, like, by the end of the game, it had been, like, a Santa hat, and it was also, like, a weird spiky hat. Yeah, I like...
1: got one that I really like that makes it, like, a helix... Which doesn't make any sense for the ice hat, yeah. but it's cool.
0: And the fact that it's like an ice hat... There's so many things in video games, even, like specifically looking at video games, that you associate with ice and like ice doing things. Mm -hmm. Ground pound isn't one... That's a brand new association.
1: It's weird to me that they decided they wanted to make the ground pound... Like they wanted to include a ground pound, but make it so limiting.
0: Yeah, it doesn't... I, I never don't, used it outside of the traversal. Like,
1: it's really, no, it's a super jump. There's hack. there's no other use for it. <laughs> you can't, like, it's stomp mean, on an enemy or I've never bad? tried it. <laughs> I don't think, that might work. There's, like, no reason to do no. it. Because your regular attacks are way more effective. Yeah, like the homing attack would just be better. <laughs> mm-hmm. It, no, yeah, that's a really bizarre design decision.
0: But yeah, the Dweller Mask, which I've already said, is my favorite It is cool, one. yeah,
1: but it, you wouldn't know what it does. The
0: first thing I tried to do with it, because of all of the the minion characters, uh, not Imagination Studios minions...
1: Uh, In Subcon.
0: Yeah. We'll talk about the Dwellers, mm-hmm. who are presumably the, the things that the mask is modeled after. And like, oh, they're so hard to talk to blah 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 i was like do i put the dweller mask on to talk to and then i can talk to dwellers and they will like tell me shit but no it's way better than that but the game gives you no indication of what that is it says that you can see through the eyes of a dweller Mm -hmm. and it's not until like way later there's like a guy who's like It's amazing that dwellers can't even see things like this, and they, like, they pass right through them, and you're like, ah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But the actual effect is fucking amazing for a platformer mechanic, because it's, like, this button that switches what thing is going to be your platform and what isn't.
1: It's um, similar to the mechanic in Guacamelee that, like, shifts the realities
0: i just like shifting realities yeah right? it's I cool like, uh fucking link to the past yep. link between worlds uh, link Between Worlds. The classic good. uh
1: light world dark world
0: uh but yeah I, I and i think all the levels that utilize it are really
1: fucking well designed mm-hmm. the twilight bell twilight bell it's is the amazing standout. Yeah. No, no i i don't disagree um was I gonna say yeah oh the sprint cap is the one that stands out it's like you can you know what that does when you get it it's like yeah. a hat with wings on it uh, a visor <laughs> oh in in one of the DLCs they introduced just a baseball cap oh, okay and I nice. was like this feels like it was missing from the main game that none of the hats are a baseball cap yeah because especially seeing hat kid in the baseball cap with the cape and it's just like this seems like a classic kid thing yeah like a costume that (laughs) a kid would put on and be like i'm gonna go save the world yeah captain baseball (laughs) um but yeah no the dweller mask is great um and i like that you have to they gate one of the relic rooms behind a wall that you have to use the dweller mask to get get to get past yeah what's a relic room like the the rooms where you you put the relics, like on those stairs. Uh,
0: oh yeah, the one that's like in the Alpine Skyline area. Yeah, is yeah one of the
1: the weird like Star Walls, mm-hmm. which kind of sounds like Narwhal Star. That Star Wall is a game, actually.
0: Oh, that's about a space Narwhal. Yeah,
1: it's like an arcade game, I think. Anyway,
0: I'm apparently not
1: the only person who's thought of that.
0: Uh, but yeah. So that's those are the hats. Mm-hmm. I agree with you completely on the visual design and the fact that like they change, which makes it harder to cycle to the yeah. ones that you need at any given yeah. time.
1: They either needed stronger visual theming to communicate what they do, or they should have been tutorialized. Yeah. I think.
0: Even if it was just like as you pick it up. Like you know, okay, so when you get a time when a timepiece shows up on the map. It creates this, like, temporal bubble mm-hmm. that when you walk into, it changes the music and everything, like, slows down and shit. And then you can jump up and grab the thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When you get a new hat, pop one of them up and be like, look, now it's the tutorial yeah, area. I,
1: I think they wanted it to be, like, a completely player-driven curiosity thing where where you get you make the hats yourself and then you have to put them on and figure out what they do. Mm-hmm. Like I think they wanted that to be part of the experience. But then I know if you're a player like me, that just makes them super easy to ignore. <laughs> like you'll get the hat and you'll be like, "Well, I already had this and this and this that I was doing, so I'll look at the hat later." Uh, you know, yeah. like I do that kind of stuff in games all the time. So if you don't like put it in front of me and are like, "Hey, this is it and you could use it for this." Like, I'll I'll put it off, and I'll, it'll be, like, a whole level later. I'm like, oh, yeah, I got that hat. <laughs> yeah, that's basically the opposite of me. Yeah, I know that, yeah, you tend to explore your options a bit more than I do.
0: Yeah, like, I, would, I was actively counting down once how much yarn I needed to make a hat. In every other instance, I just had the yarn as soon mm-hmm. as I discovered it. So, uh, with the exception of the Time Stop hat, which takes, like, a huge amount of yarn to make. Which I also think is a cool hat. Yeah, uh, I like the idea. The it... way that it's described and the animation made me feel like it would kill you to use. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it like X rays you. Yeah. So you see, like your heart beating, and it plays this ominous noise, mm-hmm. and it's like the na- like in the description of the hat, it's like we're all gonna die at some <laughs> point. I'm like, what the fuck is happening?
1: Yeah, and I like that it it uh, gives you a like an advantage. On the final boss, if you have it, yeah. you can slow her down with the time stop
0: hat. You can beat the final boss without the time stop hat. Yeah, I didn't even try. <laughs> I was like, "This is clearly because she does the the fucking Dragon Ball Z like teleporty z- thing." Z- yeah, yeah, like moving. She, real she's got
1: vulnerable thing. times.
0: Well, yeah, she does. But I just assumed that you needed the time stop hat to hit her. No, so I guess I was wrong. But. Uh, yeah, that was actually we didn't talk about the final boss at all, but the final boss is the one exception, I think, to the rule of bosses <laughs> where it feels like a victory run boss is more than like an actual challenge. Yeah. But maybe it's because I was like time
1: stopping <laughs> all over the place. Now, I don't think the time stop hat makes it like too easy. Like they didn't Majora's mask it. Right. I thought that might be it the just, case. It just gives you a nice advantage. You're rewarded for getting the uh for the all the yarn.
0: You are kind of Majora's Masked in that, because you don't need to even play the last level to get enough timepieces to right. unlock the final boss. There's a light Majora. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Majora Minor. <laughs> exactly. No, you were saying you're the opposite of me, and you were counting down to get the hats and things.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just it. Like, I was just waiting for the... Uh, to to get enough yarn to make the hat, I wanted to see yeah. what the hat I did. I mean,
1: I was, like, excited by the hats and liked them. It's just, like, the way, like, how casually and, like, non-played up they were mm-hmm. made it easy for me to be like, okay, like, I'm going to finish this. Like, you know, because you're in the middle of doing something when you make it, and, like, that always put it on the back burner for me.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. The Sprint Hat did not have a lot of utility. (laughs) No,
1: that's one thing I was thinking about on this most recent playthrough. And it's, like, even got an upgrade that makes it a scooter, Mm -hmm. which seems cool. But, like, as we were talking, a lot of the levels are, like, vertical. Like, Subcon's the only real open level. Um,
0: And it's the one that has a mission that specifically uses uses the scooter. Yeah, and, like,
1: because, like, Dead Bird is a lot of linear story levels. And uh, Alpine Skyline's a bunch of little islands so you don't really ever have the opportunity to really use it,
0: right? It is a shame with uh, with Deadbird the way that that was designed because probably my favorite thematically, like I love the idea of Deadbird Studios oh, as yeah. a level.
1: It was my standout favorite the first time I played the game because I didn't know what to expect from it, mm-hmm. and like Deadbird Studio certainly wasn't it. Like you know what I was expecting and. <laughs> Murder on the Owl Express is maybe my favorite individual mission, so like it really stood out as a favorite, and I like it. the uh, The secret, air quotes, final level was really cool to yeah. find and stuff. So, but I on further playthroughs, I I think Subcon is the best level. Yeah, I would agree with that.
0: But Subcon is definitely a standout.
1: The Bird ended up being like my least favorite level, but, but it's, it's Mafia Town is maybe my least favorite, but.
0: I mean, it's it's very subjective, especially. It depends on what you like doing a lot. Mm-hmm. The The thing that killed Dead Bird for me is that there's just a lot of, like, corridor indoor stuff. Yeah. And I just find that generally less fun.
1: Yeah. I, I like the change of pace, though. I like the amount of variety this game has. Yeah. It serves its
0: purpose, and I don't hate it. I only hate the parade level. Yeah. Uh Because it's just so slow, and everything bad that happens to you doesn't feel like there is anything you could have done
1: about it. It is. Something can go wrong really easily. Um, And then it's just a comedy of errors. Oh, yeah. As
0: you try and correct.
1: Um, I do really like the marching band thing, though, because they bring it back so many times. Like, it's in one of the rift levels, you have the marching band following you, and it Comes in in the boss in the boss, yeah. I thought that was really cool.
0: Yeah, it's good. It's a good as like a, a tutorial for a mechanic that they're going to reuse. Mm-hmm. It just goes on for like a little. Oh bit yeah, too the long. actual
1: parade mission itself isn't isn't great. Also, the fact that the rooftops get electrified was not
0: made clear to me, mm-hmm. and like I fell for it like four times. They which do. They, of have those a, were my
1: they do have a little countdown on them, like a three, two, one marker yeah. thing. But it's hard to see, and you don't know what's going to happen the first time. Yeah, hard to see is
0: a great description of Dead Bird Studios as, <laughs> as a whole. There's like a whole level where you're like, I think it's the the secret final level. Yeah, it's dark. Where you're like dark. going through the back, yeah, and you're like in these like storage facilities. And you have to do platforming on like metal platforms, and the background is like, Steel grating, mm-hmm. and it's basically just like a to me, just like a flat gray plane on mm-hmm. the television. I just have to guess where <laughs> things are. It's a bit. It's a really questionable choice of of like backgrounds. It doesn't make things stand out. Yeah,
1: could have afforded to crank that contrast knob a bit, brighten it up. Yep. Uh, that's better. I still like the
0: level though. Like it was still fun. It was still funny. There's a lot of interesting shit going on, and it's like. It, like, heavily uses stealth mechanics, which are could be better, but also are not bad. Like, I do enjoy them because it's still a platforming challenge most of the time. It's about, mm-hmm. like, getting under and over things that can see you, yeah. as opposed to just, like, walking slowly.
1: And they're not, like, an instant failure. Right. Like, they have, like, a little bit of time for it to, like, fill all the way up for it to uh, actually to... boot you. Yeah. Or make you, like...
0: And it doesn't, like, start you over. It just sort of, like, deals you the back damage a little bit, you back. Yeah. yeah. Which isn't
1: bad. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about badges? Specifically the badge merchant? <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, we should actually talk about that fucking weird thing.
1: Okay, so... To anyone listening to this, or you, Chad... Uh... I feel like the badge merchant reminds me of a character from something, and I don't know what it is. Like his big red shirt and the purple pants, and like the red shirt's got the belts right. around it. Like I feel like another character wears a very similar outfit to that, and I cannot think of what it is. And I might just be crazy, but if anyone knows, tell us on the Discord. Check out our Discord server, because um, I it, it bugs me.
0: Yeah like almost like it might be because okay it feels like it's like a reference yeah. or something it, or it could be like supposed to be that character but they've like I
1: I doubt that but I do it feels referential to me
0: I feel like that's the explanation though for why he's all weird and glitchy and glitchy yeah like it's it's that character but he's
1: like been through a meat grinder <laughs> a he, digital meat grinder he, he, he's sans sans undertale. He's sans
0: undertale is what we're trying to say
1: uh but no yeah i love his voice yeah like the first time you you find the badge merchant you're like what the fuck like because like he shows up in like mafia done like the first level and you're like what is this guy he like, feels very out of place <laughs> oh yeah. here uh and he he never feels if there's ever a hat in time too we need to go to the world that he, the badge merchant is from <laughs> is all i'm saying yeah i can see that um but anyway, he's just a very, very weird design, and I want to know if he's a reference to something. But uh, do you do you have anything to say on him or Badges themselves?
0: Uh, The one thing that I... I mean, we covered him as far yeah. as, like... Because there's very little <laughs> to know about the character. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting that he shows up. His music is good. Also, yeah, he, he crashed like... my game one time, which felt appropriate. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I never had the PS4
1: version crash. It was weird.
0: I think it happened when the po- the pawns were flying into uh, the thing. See, it just was like, <laughs> on, done.
1: <laughs> on PC, it has like some stutteriness, like when it loads, weirdly. Um, and that's caused a couple of crashes, but mm-hmm. I never had the console version crash. Yeah. Yeah, I only had it happen once. It did make me very
0: paranoid for a lot <laughs> of the rest of the game. I mean,
1: everything auto-saves now, so you don't have to worry about it, really.
0: Yeah. Um uh, but the like the only thing I can think of on badges that is like I I feel like I want to make this a PSA where I'm like to all developers of games with collectibles stop making the magnet pickup something you have to choose to equip like if you don't want to have it immediately make it an upgrade that's like a permanent thing don't make me have to switch out to it whenever I'm just doing exploration. Because it's just way too much of a convenience to just ignore it. Because if you're ignoring it, you're basically saying, I'm going to be very precise about coins, which is not something that you really want to be doing.
1: I feel like I kind of sympathize with the developers on this one, because I can imagine there being people that wouldn't want that to be a permanent thing. Who? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm going to do a, a, a no pawns run of a hat and time. I don't know. You can't do that. You have to o- unlock the levels with pawns. That's true. But I don't know. I could just see a scenario where someone wouldn't want to have it on. Okay. Like, I think abilities, like upgrades, um, should be equipable and unequippable. Like, when we were... Uh, uh, yeah, that's the right... I, that sounded like it wasn't a real word when I said it. Right. Equippable. <laughs> um, anyway... Uh, when we played Symphony of the Night, I was like, "This is fucking amazing. I can turn all my abilities off and on right like, i I'm a big fan of the badge kind of okay. approach to it. I like that like i don't want there to you should be able to have a more of a like a higher max so that you can always just leave that one on
0: right well that's what I'm saying' is I feel like you should most be able to equip the other them all. ones. well, I think the other ones are strong enough that you want to limit them mm-hmm. like you don't want them to just have everything equipped at the same time because then you have all of the abilities at the same time where i i think that the the magnet pickup mm-hmm. thing should be a separate on off toggle that you can change
1: if you want but is on by default i've solved it you my genius <laughs> you have one pin that is like you can choose to make one pin like a permanent
0: like it's like a consumable
1: you say like this one's my
0: permanent badge and then you still have the three slots for the other ones
1: No, like you you just you put your favorite one it's like it's like how in psychonauts both of us just always left the uh levitate on levitate on it's like you just have like your number one slot and it's like I put this in here, it gets priority, it never gets like swapped out for anything else automatically when I get a new pin. Right. It's like, that one's my pin that I like, and it's always on. Sure.
0: There should Spot. definitely be some solution. Yeah. And I think that could be a workable one. But, like, it's weird to me that I have to choose between, like, the hook shot and that one also. Conveniently felt, yeah. picking stuff up. Yeah, the hookshot should, felt like it should really be per- That
1: feels like an upgrade that should just be permanent. Yeah.
0: And, like, the ones that, like, the map makes sense. You want to toggle that on and off because it's huge.
1: <laughs> I've actually, in all three of my playthroughs, never bought that.
0: <laughs> Wait, no, you don't buy it. Or do you buy it? You
1: buy it from the Mafia guy, Yeah, the Mafia the jar. jar. <laughs> yeah. Uh,. Because, I don't know, it just felt, like, so unbelievably unnecessary to me.
0: (laughs) Well, it definitely is, unless you were trying to just pick up all the relics. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the point of it, is just there is, like, a completionist thing. Yeah. Like, I like that they give you that. I feel like they're
1: not hard enough to find that you need it.
0: Well, I mean, some of them you just don't, like, in Subcon, specifically, is a great place to use it, because it'll direct you where you need, what quadrant of the map you need to be in, because mm-hmm. it's so huge.
1: They actually, uh, something I learned from doing multiple playthroughs is, like, the locations of Relics can be, like, somewhat, like, not randomized, but, like, you can get them, like there are certain chests I think that are tagged to be like, they could be relic chests, uh, uh, depending on how like many you've already gotten. Cause like there are ones that I got in one level on one playthrough and then I got them in a different level in another playthrough. So like, depending on how many you've already gotten, uh, So, like, there's they're not fixed, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Right. They're like a it's like a dynamic system in place.
0: Which is presumably there so that you can't look up a guide to be like, where's the tinfoil hat, cow? Right. Like, that's the one I know I'm missing.
1: So, as long as you explore and you're finding enough stuff that's like off the beaten path, like, you're just going to get them all.
0: Well, until you get to. Like, the last two, or whatever, where you don't know what level they're in, or mm-hmm. what. Well, so the, just... the map is like a checkbox for them. Yeah, I mean, that, they could just know. be
1: in any level, so you just have to... They're not hard to find, in my opinion. You don't need that pin. <sighs> I'm just
0: saying, it's a, good, it's a good existing oh, badge. Oh no,
1: I wouldn't take it out. Yeah. I just think, personally, it feels unnecessary. Uh...
0: It's like, oh, like in the THPS 1 and 2 remaster, they added a gap list, which I don't think was in the original 1 and 2, it was in later games, Mm -hmm. that tells you which gaps that you've gotten. That is the relic pen. (laughs) Nobody needs that. I need that. Uh But nobody sensible wants that, really. Mm -hmm. It's just an inclusion for people who are trying to complete the game and don't want to like... Spend a million years just wandering around emptiness because they have all the other collectibles. Mm -hmm. We're all right. We're a little bit off topic here. We sure are. Do we have anything else specific you want to talk about?
1: Um, I kind of want to talk about the length of the game. Um, it so it is like a game, but it's like a freshman effort. Mm -hmm. Um, as we said development very like open and casual um and it kind of had humble beginnings and grew into like a bigger thing um and i also praised it earlier in comparison to ukulele for managing its scope well and delivering like a higher quality thing all, all across it but like it does really leave you wanting more like if you just play the base game and i think that's something that they've done a good job with um in actually keeping up with the game and releasing dlc because playing it with the two new levels makes it feel like a much more whole experience makes it feel even weirder the final boss opens up so early (laughs) but uh that aside it's just it's it just makes it feel like the game that they wanted to make like it feels complete with the extra content and they also added, um, after you beat Subcon, the Snatcher will just be in your room, hanging out <laughs> at the edge of the pillow pit, and he gives you, like, challenge missions. And then also up in the mail room, that's an actual thing now, where you can accents, uh mods and stuff.
0: Uh, okay. I don't know if I agree or not. I feel like this game felt like an appropriate length. I do agree that it is weird in any circumstance how early the final boss opens up like Mm -hmm. i feel like it should have been pushed to like 30 i i finished this game pretty casually all things considered i didn't go out of my way for a lot of stuff but i did intentionally beat all of the main quests Mm -hmm. um and doing that and just that really i ended up with an 80 percent completion like at the end credits Mm -hmm. which feels strange to me like And admittedly, I didn't buy, like, the bad pins and stuff. Like, I don't know how much, if that at all, adds to completion percentage. I think
1: it just counts. The only thing that counts towards that is the amount of timepieces you have.
0: Okay, so that... Well, presumably relics or... Yeah, relics
1: factor into it. Yeah. Well, relics all give you timepieces, so...
0: Oh, because the relics open the relic rifts. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. Uh, But yeah, so either way... Like, it felt like I was very much done with the game when I finished it. Like, I I'd pretty much done that. And I didn't feel like the game was too short. I didn't feel like it was... I certainly didn't feel like it was too long. But I also feel like with two extra levels, I would feel the same way. Which, I feel like this is the type of game that you put in exactly as much as you want into it. In a weird way. Yeah, like, I mean... even Banjo-Kazooie feels too long now. Like, mm. I feel like Banjo is, like, a great game when you're 10 because you just play Banjo. for That's what you do for a year. Right. <laughs> but now that's not what I want to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. Like, I I think it's satisfying. Like, my first playthrough, like, I thought it I, I liked it mm-hmm. and I felt, you know, uh, satisfied at the end. But, like, I really feel like you get your first level, you feel like you you get your legs, and then the second level is very, like, narrative and, like, a different sort of thing. And then you have Subcon, which is really good, and then Alpine Skyline, which does a different thing. It's, like, it really feels like it just... is like, kind of culminating and coming into its own by the fourth level, and it feels like it, it could do a bit more for you uh, with, like, another level or two. Like, I remember... Finishing it and thinking, like, I really wish that had, like, one more level. Uh, and now it does. And now it does. Yeah, now it <laughs> does, too. But, yeah, like, not a big criticism or anything. It's just, like, an in an ideal world, I think uh, it, it, it just kind of, I think, got going. Uh, like, firing on, like, delivering on its max potential and could have uh, benefited from, like, letting that run run free into another level
0: (laughs) yeah i can see that
1: like it could have maximized its potential a little more with one more level is the simple way to say that right (laughs) yeah i mean we've talked about and i don't want to overstate things yeah Yeah.
0: well the thing that this game does though the reason that i the reason i agree with you and also agree that it isn't a huge criticism is because we've talked about this effect in a couple of other places before like uh, we talked about how uh, Monument Valley felt like it was, every level was just sort of like an idea and they didn't fully expand on what your abilities actually were. And The Unfinished Swan is a game that introduces a bunch of cool concepts but doesn't take any of them to their like full possibility space. This game feels like it, it doesn't feel like the whole game is a tutorial for nothing Which is really the important thing. Mm -hmm. Like, the game plays like a full game all the way through, and because of that, it made it less impactful that it just sort of ends kind of abruptly. Mm -hmm. But I do agree. I think a lot of times when you talk about games that have good pacing, you're talking about games that have like a real snappy sort of like moment-to-moment, and I feel like this game has bad pacing in that it feels like you are moving from place to place, and then it's very abrupt that it's just like, you can just quit now if you want.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's. I th- I think it's one thing I have in my notes that I thought was maybe a little bit too nitpicky is, like, as I describe, each level kind of feels like it's its own little different thing, and it kind of makes the game as a whole not really feel as cohesive as it could, and that might also add to it. um, The feeling, like, once you're done, you're like, oh, like... This kinda doesn't feel tied in like a tied together as much as like some other games might be. Yeah. But you know, as I said, I don't think it's like a like a big thing or anything.
0: Oh, would you did you uh did you give Mustache Girl an extra time piece?
1: Uh I did this time. Um, it seemed like the thing that Hat Kid would do. I don't remember what I did before. I feel like at least one playthrough I probably didn't. But uh, I I threw her I threw her a timepiece
0: threw a timepiece yeah. that's good. Uh, does that do any like I mean I guess you haven't gotten through to the the the
1: sixth level or the the second DLC yet, but like I don't think it's gonna come back. Damn. in any way, <laughs> that's like a post you beat the game thing, and that's usually not canon. Right. when you go back and play DLC, um, so it's as if that hasn't happened yet in my playthrough, but um. Yeah, I don't know. I <laughs> I don't know what the implications of that are. Maybe maybe it's a little bit of sequel bait. I don't know. Possibly.
0: kid just feels too uh I don't know. kid is a character. This is something this is the last thing that I have, I okay. think. Is that Hank Hidd is the game is designed to make her like aggressively cute, like that's the point. Mm-hmm. At like when you unlock a level, she does like a little dance. Yeah.
1: I don't know if this is something like a part of Gearbox is like official branding for the game. Gears for breakfast. Gears for what did I say? Gearbox. Oh, the Borderlands. Yes, developer? okay. <laughs> Gears for breakfast. Um. described it as like the cutest 3d platformer ever made or something along those lines like the cutest collect-a-thon or something like that yeah so that's definitely intentional
0: yeah and the the comedy in the game is sort of like this juxtaposition between like her very soft exterior in this very harsh world uh in a lot of ways and then they subvert it by taking the harsh world and making it soft as Mm -hmm. well they're all friends Uh, yeah
1: it she feels very much like a like a 90s thing to me like she's just got this kind of attitude to her mm -hmm. um and she's just kind of like this optimistic force that kind of molds everyone to like brings everyone to her side that meets her and like it doesn't really go much further than that she's just more (laughs) she's more of a concept like she's just a blank slate avatar that's cute yeah you know,
0: and then that's kind of like, that, that's the a little interesting plucky because I, I feel like that isn't a hallmark of the genre and like was a choice that they made. And I don't know. I think it worked out pretty well. I think the visual design of this game generally is pretty good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know they went with cell shading for the reasons people usually go with cell shading <laughs> is because it's easier to make something that looks good. Yeah. Like, it, t- it takes us time, I guess I should say, um, and so, yeah, and they, they lean into that. Like, everything looks very visually appealing. Um, I like their use of, like, their texturing, I think, is nice. Like, uh, one thing that comes to mind is, like, the boards. Like, there's a lot of them in Mafia Town, I think. They're, they're just, like, that flat brown color, but then, like, the wood grain, like, the way it's styled, just, like, it just looks appealing. It's got a lot of pop to it.
0: Yeah, and, and they don't, like because there's so much going on in a lot of the levels, you can tell that there's a lot of work that went into making those textures and making them sort of, like, stand out as different things. Like, Mm -hmm. with very few exceptions, like, most of them do a good job of being visually noticeable. And the the spaceship, uh, like, hub world is really just, like, a celebration of color for the most part. Like, it's so bright, (laughs) and everything is, like real wacky and there's weird like there's a text-based game that's just like in this big computer that has like Mm -hmm. wide angles and it's just like it's designed all strange it's
1: like the plutonic ideal of like a clubhouse right yeah got all the cool gadgets and stuff (laughs) and zork it's it's got zork it's got a Roomba. (laughs) you know all the things that kids like (laughs) hell yeah uh in classic no clip fashion uh you want to talk about that, that soundtrack? Uh, sure. Because um, I know one of their Kickstarter stretch goals was if we get X amount of money, we'll get Grant Kirkhope to write music. Uh, and I'm pretty sure, don't quote me on this, uh, but I know he did a few tracks, but I'm pretty sure the one that stands out the most that he did is the hub theme. Yeah. Like, it feels so him. Uh, and it's a it's a great track, I think. Yeah, I, agree. I, I honestly... It feels very spacey and, like, adventurous. Like, it it's it fits the tone of the game pretty perfect, I think.
0: It's got a theremin in it, which yeah. is a very uh, <laughs> space instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the soundtrack, honestly. I'm not in love with it. I'll say that much. I think that That's fair. it has things in it that are good. The elements... That it clearly copied from Backtrac Kazooie and other rare games mm-hmm. are the excellence in in like like ambiance, I guess. Okay, like there's a there's a sense of place to all of the music that feels appropriate, except. Then they have places like Mafia town where you have no idea what type of music you would expect to be playing there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's not that the music clashes, but it's not the same level of like really tight uh, like synergy between yeah. the music and level.
1: yeah, it's kind of like what we were talking about with other aspects of the game. It's like a little bit of a lack of cohesion in in parts of the design. yeah, and I don't disagree with that. Um there it is are, still good. Yeah, no, yeah, there yeah. There's some standout tracks, but I think overall the soundtrack isn't quite as strong uh as some other. Like a I feel like three D platformers tend to have really really good soundtracks. Uh and yeah, it's usually but... because the levels themselves have personality and it's easy to write themes for things like that
0: the money spent on grant Kirkhope was not wasted <laughs> no that's what i'm saying it, sure was. It, was, it was definitely um, well done
1: did you unlock any of like the remixes through the uh Rift tokens i didn't even know that was a oh, the thing you they could might do. not be in the console version i don't remember but that you'll get and then uh a band from uh dead bird studios like a band of owls right will move into like the ship and then you can request <laughs> them to play music interesting yeah it's cool yeah, it's like an the an the nice jukebox. And, yeah. Yep. Exactly like that, Sarah Miss. Sarah missed. I think that's about all she wrote.
0: Yeah. Do we have final thoughts? I thought
1: you were going to go with felt. Felt for hats. Uh, yeah. Uh.
0: But it's weird that you use yarn to make the hats because, like, who has a knit? Like, the, just the <laughs> ice hats—the hat. only yeah. one that makes sense. Uh, no, I don't. I don't actually have a. <laughs> finally, I finally was not thinking about it.
1: Um but uh for my final thoughts, I guess I really love this game. Um going back and replaying it, it is a bit rougher around the edges than I remembered. Um I think it's got a little bit of a slow start. Um and but like once you click with it, I think it's it's a game that's really easy to get into a float state with. It's really fun to play like as evidence like I just played through the whole game a third time just to play the DLC and I did that in like a day and a half you know like it just once you like really click with it it's like all other great 3D platformers you can just you just want to keep playing it um but yeah that that'll come when, when you spend a lot of time with the game you you'll kind of you'll kind of get to that spot uh, I do remember the first playthrough being a little bit rougher, but, um yeah, the game it's very charming. um it's really impressive, given the the background of the game, the team, um all things that we've said, uh, humble <laughs> beginnings uh, grew into something like pretty great. I'd love to, I can't wait to see um or at least I hope that they may keep making games, like whether it's a sequel or something new, uh, I'd like to see what they do next. Um, Yeah, just this is a really great game. It's uh... not going to like, it didn't, it's not going to like blow anyone's mind, didn't reinvent any wheels, but like, it's really great at what it does. And it's very impressive given the team.
0: Yeah, I really thought that you were going to make it all the way through your final thoughts without, saying the thing that I was going to say for my final thoughts, which seems to be a theme these days. <laughs> but you got me right at the end there. I Yeah, I agree. I think the, the takeaway here is that this is a game that was made with love by people who love the type of game that they're making. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt like it was the kind of thing where they had a list of things in their mind that they wanted 3D platformers to do, and or didn't like about 3D platformers and wanted to change that part of it like like the thing that that I noticed immediately which is dumb is that when you climb a ladder it's really fast and there's like a peppy little animation at the end of her swinging up onto the thing mm-hmm. so climbing ladders is no longer the worst fucking thing in the world which it yeah. is all the time yeah. I
1: feel like we made a joke about a character being the fastest ladder climber. <laughs> I don't remember who it was, but Hat Kid, I think, is going to give them a run for their money.
0: For sure. Very scourge right up that yep. shit. And you can see this in the design where, like, there are elements of the game that just, like, go really smoothly. Like, way more smoothly than you would expect them to uh, from your experience in the genre. And the platforming itself, these, like, great control, mid-air control, air control... um, to major Tom and everything else that's not air control is not a thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, Tom you, control to major air a major ground. Yes. Uh, but there's like all of these things that come together and make the parts of the game that work really work. But the rough around the edges part is really like the thing to take away. It's like, mm-hmm. this game is a really good game that's hurt a little bit by the inexperience of the team and the low budget and it feels sort of like a trade-off like you get a great game but it feels a little cheap but i don't personally give a shit like i just think the game's real good Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, and
1: i think the thing i was trying to get at with my final thoughts but kind of stumbled around it is (laughs) that fades away the more that you play it but you have to be the kind of person that wants to keep playing it so yeah
0: and yeah like i was saying i was just playing super mario 64 because the switch version just released and my first thought was oh my god why does mario control like a big fat ass (laughs) and uh the more that you play it the more you kind of like you understand the quirks and the differences and same thing applies here where once you get a grip of it it's real simple and it feels fluid and smooth so uh Definitely a game worth putting time into, and the more time you put into it, the more you're gonna get out of it. Mm-hmm. So, thank you for listening to
1: No Clip this week. What are we talking about next time?
0: Oh God, what? How do I even <laughs> outro this? All right, so at the beginning of this podcast, uh, we're we're trying some stuff. Uh, you would have heard us give this weird new like intro bit. It's not very different from our normal shit, but we want to change it up a little bit. And the reason these things are coming to mind is because next week, next time, early October, roughly, there uh is going to be our 100th episode. Woo! Hurrah! You can tell how excited we are. <laughs> And for the 100th episode, we bounced back and forth a lot. We had ideas that were really self-masturbatory. And then there were, <laughs> there were some other ideas that seemed more like these are big episode ideas and like maybe we'll just hit them in a different way. So, what we settled on is: and this might be why it takes a bit to get this episode out properly, mm-hmm. we're going to attempt to get everyone that we all know and love as the guests of No Clip. Uh, JJ will be back, Dan will be back, Dan's brother Steven will be back, and of course Janelle will be back as well. Uh, And we're going to talk about a game that we all enjoy playing together, which is the Jackbox Party Pack. Um, But there will still be probably a lot of (laughs) self-mastupatory congratulating (laughs) us on how great we've been and shit. Uh, (laughs) So please do join us then. Uh, until that time you can get a hold of us all of our contact is on our website at noclippodcast.com there you can find links to our YouTube our Twitter, our Discord where you can join hell, maybe we'll play a couple rounds of Jackbox together uh, listen to all of our old episodes which include uh, mostly Mario 3D platformers <laughs> Sunshine, Odyssey
1: I mean did psychonauts we did
0: do psychonauts which we mentioned several times uh so if that's your jam we got shit on those too uh (laughs) (laughs) thanks
1: for listening and hat that like button (laughs) perfect (laughs) I get to be number one because I bought the mixer.
0: Yeah, I mean, I get <laughs> my my microphone is made by Mad Cats.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you
1: have to use the Mad cats microphone. <laughs>
0: oh man! <laughs> With the turbo button. <laughs>
1: That's
0: also why I talk so fast. Mm-hmm.
1: That's why you you're always louder. Mm-hmm.
0: Turbo volume. <laughs> the mute button always gets stuck.
1: Your microphone's not even plugged in. I, I just let you think that you're podcasting.
0: <laughs> All right. That's
1: probably about as far as that joke's going to go.